Welcome to What the Hell Happened. My name is Esther, and with me today is the dashing Mr. Lockwood. Yep, I would say. Yeah, it was nice to you. This I was about to jump in there and go, just give me your best shot. What do you <laughs> What do you got for me today? Oh, I can, I'm ready. I can call you something terrible next time. I don't handle compliments nearly as well as insults. I know. That's strange. It's because you're primed for the insult. Yeah, I'm ready for battle. <laughs> Always. So I'd fall for the uh, Trojan horse. You would. Yep. That's my weakness. It all just pile out and take over. Yep. Your weak your weakness is niceness. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't be kind to me. I may self destruct. Uh, com- compliments, pleasantries, politeness. <laughs> That's a guard lowering thing. Yes. <laughs> well, would you like to hear a story? Yes, I would. I've been waiting for so long. You say that, but it's only been a couple weeks. It's like years. You look forward to it, but I feel like sometimes your eyeballs need a break from rolling. (laughs) Yeah, but I really like rolling them. I know you do. This is like your favorite thing. I do derive a bit of pleasure from just the hardest eye rolling like statements. Yeah, where you have to roll your head as well, like with your eyeballs. I think it's... It's a novelty. I've, I've, when I get an eye roll that hard, mm-hmm. when you can hear the springs <laughs> clanging in my head, it's something I've never heard before. It's so outlandish. That's what I like. Yeah, because you don't hear stuff like that in your daily life. Yeah, not even at all. All right. Well, today we are going to be discussing the mysterious case of the Toynbee tiles. I'm aware of these Toynbee tiles. You are aware of them? I'm aware that's it. But you don't know the story. Not really. You have heard of, but don't really know the... There's a tile in Cincinnati. Because Toynbee's like England, right? No. no. No? See? I don't know shit. Nope. No, you don't know shit. I really don't know shit. No, that's great. You've heard the word Toynbee, but you that's have it. no well, idea. tile. Right. Yeah. I don't... Have you heard the word tile? Toynbee tiles. I think you're lying. I'm not. <laughs> you're like, is it in England? <laughs> No, it's not. This story begins in early 1980 when bizarre messages began showing up all over the streets of Philadelphia. These messages were in the form of linoleum tiles that were embedded in busy streets. The tiles read, Toy and Bee Idea, In Movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. (laughs) As these tiles began appearing all over the city, no one knew what they were or why they had been put there. Most thought they were some kind of city-wide art project and didn't really pay too much attention to them. It wasn't until 1994 that one 17-year-old decided to try to figure out what the tiles were, who made them, and why. Yeah, the tile looks like something that a prop maker would put in a movie. It's got the cracks all over the pieces of tile, and it's, like, real aged. Or is this just because it's old? Well, we're going to talk about what they're made out of in, in just a few. But, I mean, 
You're already yeah. so far ahead of me. Oh. Well, I'm just saying it. It <laughs> looks, know. it's kind of like from a movie, it looks like. Mm-hmm. No, it's neat. I, I think they look really, um, they kind of look <clears throat> art deco. Yeah. Well, it's like if you're like a prop maker, it needs to be distressed looking, and the distress of it looks intentional. Um, I think that there's a reason you think it looks like that, but it'll make sense in a little okay. bit. This 17-year-old, his name was Justin Durr, and he was a resident of Philadelphia. He was walking down the street one day when he looked over and noticed one of the tiles embedded into the road. When reading the tile initially, it didn't seem to make much sense. But here's what we do know. If you take the writing one line at a time, you can conclude that the Toy and Bee idea refers to a British historian and philosopher by the name of Arnold Toynbee. Mm-hmm. Toynbee was the author of a 12-volume work called A Study of History. Mm-hmm. His publications cover 21 of humanity's major civilizations. The next line, movie, 2001. Mm-hmm. Could you stop saying mm-hmm? Sorry. It's okay. It's funny, but... <laughs> It's just like every three words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm following along. Okay. I might leave that in there. You should. I, I might. The next line, movie 2001, obviously refers to Stanley Kubrick's science fiction movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. This movie was released in 1968. Resurrect Dead seems to be calling to action the concept of reviving humans that have been deceased. On planet Jupiter, well, we all know what Jupiter is a planet in our solar system. So Yeah, but that's also where they went in 2001. Right. I knew there was a connection in this story that you would like because you... Because space? Because you really like that movie. Yes, I do. Yes. So it's awesome. I thought you would appreciate the connection, even though you don't know what the connection is yet. Do you appreciate it? Do you appreciate me? I do, but I hope you do leave in that shut up thing because then everyone will know how abusive you are. <laughs> I didn't say shut up. I said, can you stop saying uh-huh every three words? Well, the way you said it was shut up. <laughs> okay. That's how I heard it. I'll probably leave that in. All right. So anyway, Justin wasn't sure what to think when he first spotted the tile. Could it be art? Someone just messing around? Or maybe it was an odd way of marketing something? His curiosity had been piqued. In 1996, Justin was working as a courier in Philadelphia. He started to notice that there were more tiles appearing all around the city, and this is when Justin decided to start documenting each tile to try to figure out what the purpose of these mysterious tiles were. So he was like the perfect guy to discover all these because he was going to random points yeah, he was running around he was delivering like a courier. things to random places. So he was all over the city. Yeah. But it's interesting because he's the only one at this point in time hmm. to be like, what is that? And not just walk past it and be like, oh, it's art. Yeah. You know? And especially like Pittsburgh, Philly, they're pretty artistic places. So you just uh, think, ah. Not in the 80s. Well, this was in 1996. But in the 80s is when they started mm. appearing. Yeah. I don't even think in the 90s they were that artistic. Yeah, but it seems as though a lot of people just kind of walked right past him. A year later, Justin, with a notebook full of locations and coordinates of tiles, decided to try an internet search for the words on the Toy and Bee tiles at his local library. 
This was the first real opportunity to do so, being that the library in Philadelphia had just made the internet publicly available. Yeah. And um, he did say, he he made a documentary, um, but he did say that this was the first search that he ever made on the internet was for the toy and these tiles. <laughs> so right after he searched for boobs. Well, yeah, I mean, probably. Definitely. I mean, I think every man that was their first search, right? Boobs. Every man. Girls. Everyone. 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 Everyone types boobs in the first thing. They get onto a terminal. And then they were like, okay, now I can begin the real work. Mm. <laughs> On with it. So he typed the four lines of the tile phrase into the search engine, and he frustratingly got back zero results. So <laughs> just, but he probably got results back for boobs. He definitely, <laughs> definitely, yeah. definitely On for gopher. boobs. Remember gopher? Ah, uh, vaguely. That was like the very first search engine. We like didn't. It's technical, but it's Yeah, sucked. we didn't have any good anything when the internet first happened. No one did. <laughs> After Justin found no results, he waited and kept just documenting the tiles. And then about a year later, in 1998, he decided to try searching the internet again. And this time, he came across the site, toyandbee.net. Whoa. So only a year later, somebody else was noticing this. So he was finding his kind. Yes, basically. His his peeps. His peeps. I found my peeps. I found my Thailand peeps. See, even back then, the cra- the internet was full of crazies. Yeah. And <laughs> they find each other. Yes, but it was a very... It, I mean, if I saw something like that, oh, I don't would... don't be offended. It was a joke. I, who said I was offended? You had that look. No, I'm just saying that if I saw something like that and I noticed there was a bunch of them and nobody could explain it, I'd probably make a website too. Just saying. Just, hmm. just because you're not as organized as I am. Didn't you make a podcast? Yeah. So that's kind of like better than a website. Mm, no, it's not. No. No, not not. I haven't ever discovered anything new that no one's no. heard about that's mysterious. Well, so. you gotta, you got to do like everyone else does and make shit up. Well, I mean, I just tell everybody's made up stories. Yeah. So, but this isn't made up, which is which is why this one's great because we know it actually happened. Oh, we'll see about that. I'll let you be the judge. (laughs) (laughs) So the website that Justin found was basically doing what Justin had been doing for the last several years. It was a record of the tile locations and was asking people to submit sightings of new tiles or for any leads that they could get. This is when Justin realized that the tiles weren't just in the Philadelphia area, but rather there were tiles located all over the East Coast. See, there is one in Cincinnati. Oh, is there? There you go. Stretching from Boston to Kansas. There were even some found in Brazil, Argentina, and Chile. Whoa. All of the tiles read with the same four-line message. Oh. So, copycats. Some of some of them were probably copycats. I mean, could be. Were all the ones in Philadelphia the same message? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're well, all the they same. They might not be copycats. At this point, Justin had become obsessed with this mystery and decided to travel to the locations of the other tiles across America to take photos. The tiles nearly always appeared at rest stops or busy streets, and in some cases, even on the highway. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine, like, trying to and these are embedded too so they're digging the stuff out 
and gluing them on. No. No? No. You'll find out. Oh. I thought the same thing. I was like, how of how what is this process because it seems like you would have to you could like heat up the asphalt and drive over it and it would just smash it in got like a heat gun and you're sitting there for three hours wouldn't take that long okay big torch like propane tanks you're gonna laugh when i tell you how this was done (laughs) you could just put on your uh your like working man's helmet and your, your your yellow coat and right on the highway, no one would care. Even the stadies would just drive by. Right. Like, oh, that's the guy working on the road. Just one guy in just the one, middle of the night. Yeah, no with one a would do gun. anything. Just, I think somebody no, might stop. I don't think so. You don't think the uh-uh. cops would stop and be like, sorry. This looks so normal. You could do it right in the middle of the day. Why do you have a hairdryer pointed at the pavement two in the morning? You don't have morning? to do it at night, right in the middle of the day. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Well, and if you live someplace hot, which none of these places really are on the East Coast, I guess the pavement might get just hot enough to melt something into it. but It only has to get a couple hundred degrees and it just gets soft. So is that your theory? That's my theory. Okay, that's how I would do it. Yeah. Well, okay. it probably wouldn't work, but I would try that. If you were the toy and be Tyler. Yeah. That, that's what you would do. The tiles, while always containing the main four-line message, also appeared on some occasions with smaller messages off to the side or across the bottom. These notes just added more mystery, but also gave Justin more desperately needed clues to go by. One of these read, A real resurrection is easy and is proved by first cave cavemen who made first of genius tools. Genius? General? Uh, Genera tools. Maybe genera is a word. Genera? Yeah, it doesn't look like the word genius, really. Mm -hmm. Another one read, you must lie tile alone as hellions and feds infiltrate and harvest you to prison. <laughs> Yet another one read, you must lay tile as media hellions and fronts are against it. Um, I feel like this guy is from 2022. <laughs> you think he's from the future? Yeah. He was just predicting the future. Yeah, it is. Because it, all this shit's like it is real now. It is a little bit weird. My question to you is, do you think that it's John Titer? <laughs> is he trying? Is, is this his high-tech method of like <laughs> spreading a message? I mean... I did have that thought for a second, <laughs> and then I was like, nah. Could it be John Titer? Could it be John Titer? Oh, my God. Toynbee is Titer spelled backwards. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> so another one read, I am only one man, and when I caught a fatal disease, dot, 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 and I will say that some of these I'm going to show you. I'm going to warn you right now. They are completely inappropriate to read. <laughs> so we're not going to read them. Uh, Even though we're... Based on how we talk. I mean... With our potty mouths. Well, we got potty mouths. They're but, that bad? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. They're really I bad. I don't know if I can handle it. I am going to show you the next ones, which we can't read. You can read it now if you want, but we're not going to read it. I could read it with just one little bleep okay if you want to so here's another one mr lockwood is going to um censor himself venezuela cuba failed to murder me twice so they got a bleep cell to murder my mother i mean just kind of weird right so he's talking about media people being sent and and feds being sent to kill him this one is also has too much 
But I have to read this. No, that one's okay. Yeah, this one might be okay. Now, Galileo's cult of the Hellion is searching for super hell, hell beyond hell. As Toynbee says, more than one hell to get more reward. I'm telling you, man, this is like, this has got to be like, they got the word feds on there. If you, Yeah, it says lay tile alone, feds. If you ever looked at 4chan, which I would not recommend anyone does because it's really <laughs> it's garbage. bad. It's garbage. But so many of their more reoccurring themes, like schizoid themes, mm-hmm. They're like this. Yeah. Like almost exactly. I mean, this does sound nutty. It does sound pretty nutty. Uh, The last one that I have to read to you as an example of the smaller words on the side is every concept of the past 500 years don't exist in Christian heaven. They only exist in Christian hell. Okay. I can tell you're kind of getting a feel for this guy. Yeah. He's a little, uh, you know who, who he is? Who is he? He's the bad guy from Seven. I don't think I remember that movie. With Brad Pitt? Is that the Brad Pitt one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember it. I just know it has it's Brad Kevin Pitt. It's Kevin Spacey. Oh, okay. Remember? And he was like a religious murder torturer. I think I only ever saw it once, and it was a very long really? time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to watch it. I guess so. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, he was like a religious nut that lived in his all by himself. Mm-hmm. And he tortured all these people for seven deadly sins in like very sick ways. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. That's like, maybe this is how he got started. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> like once he figured out no one was listening to his messages, he really realized he had to do something more drastic. More drastic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. Are you good on looking at those? I'm good with hell, with super hell. Okay. With hellions. Uh, he uses the word hellions a lot, which I think is kind of funny. <laughs> So one of the more fascinating of these tiles was a four-piece large tile that seemed to read more like a manifesto of sorts. It was found at at an intersection in Philadelphia and measured about 36 inches tall. It was seemed to be consistent with the works of the Toynbee Tiler, but contained what seemed to be ramblings that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Unlike the the small tiles that totally made oh, sense. Oh man, yeah. So I can't read that. Um, I'm going. I have like the transcription oh, for you. So the tile in part reads: John Knight, owner of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who's hated this movement's guts for years, takes money from the mafia to make the mafia look good in his newspapers, so he has the mafia in his back pocket. John Knight sent the Mafia to murder me in May 1991. (laughs) Journalists, all of them, gloated to my face about my death and Knight writers' great power to destroy. In fact, John Knight went into hellion binge of joy over Knight writers' great power to destroy. I secured house with blast doors and fled the country in June 1991. Orders of NBC executives got to the U.S. Federal District Attorney's Office and got the FBI to get Interpol to establish task force at located me in Dover, England. (laughs) When back home, Inquirer got union goons from their own employees' union to send down a sports journalist 
who, with a baseball bat, bashed in lights and windows of neighborhood cars as well as men outside my house. They are stationed there still, waiting for me. NBC, CBS, Group W, Westinghouse, Time Warner, Warner, Fox, Universal, all of the cult of the Hellion, each were much worse than Knight Rider ever was. Do you think he's talking about Michael Knight? He's talking about this John Knight. And I think that Knight Riders were like his hellions i don't know i thought knight rider was uh you know david hasselback or whatever uh, it is well this isn't rider really it's got two d's is it ritter it could be yeah knight ritter r-i-d-d-e-r maybe this guy just can't spell roast me if you must but it, it could be ritters but it's ritter it's ritter he writes ritter twice ritters. yeah it's knight ritters then yeah but it's hyphenated the guy that he's talking about, John Knight, that owns the Inquirer. So maybe it's just like a way of maybe it's saying like, his people. Well, maybe it's even in like Philadelphia or something. It's like the term for like a hitman. Like I a don't ritter. know. They get rid of you. If anybody you know? that hears this knows what a ritter is, yeah. or if that's like some, I feel term like that's a term that, that maybe we don't, a local us old hounds yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I have I mean, no, I've never heard it, but it, did, no. it would make sense as slang. Like, but I keep feeling like in the context that he's got it it kind of seems like he's referring to that as john knight's yeah. group of people that are out to get yeah, him as hitmen knight ritters yeah yeah okay i'm glad you yeah they belong to him yeah because it's spelled k-n-i-g-h-t like the john's yeah. last name yeah. it's not spelled just n-i-g-h-t right. so i mean let's be honest a lot of that was kooky but it does seem like he thinks all of these groups, NBC, CBS, Westinghouse, Time Warner, <laughs> Universal, they're all oh, yeah. they are all cults of the Hellion, he calls them. Is it Alex them. Jones? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who's laying the tiles? Yeah. I don't know. Like He is old enough maybe to have done that. But oh, yeah. He's way old enough. Yeah. He might be too old. I don't Holy know. Holy shit. Would that be cool? <laughs> oh, my God. That would be cool. Cool? I mean, it would be mind-blowing, right? I mean, he, he went in for the long troll. Yeah, I think he's <laughs> yeah. more out west, but, you know. Yeah, this is the ultimate troll. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to say about this? I mean, this is the only one that they found like this that literally looks I mean, like a giant sheet of paper. Seems pretty straightforward to me. Makes perfect sense. Logical arguments. So know. the guy seems clearly sane as paranoid. Sane as can be. Maybe with a titch of paranoia. I think that's more delusion. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're probably right. On a cold winter evening in 2000, Justin was just coming out of a little late night shop where he had stopped to grab some food when he spotted what looked like a small patch of fresh pavement in the center of the road. He got closer and realized it was a black patch of tar paper. He got down and attempted to peel it back, and as he did, so revealed a brand new toy and bee tile. Oh, no way. That's his story? Yes. How do you get a picture of it? Like, I think this was a different one that they had found. Oh. He knew that this tile was not there upon entering the shop because he had been documenting them all. He knew where they all were. And it must have been placed there while he was inside. 
a rush of excitement washed over him and he jumped up and started running up and down the street yelling, toy and be idea, toy and be idea. But to his dismay, whomever left the tile was long gone. So it was covered in a piece of tar paper. It's covered in a piece of tar paper. So the guy's laying him down and then that gives him some time to walk away and then it unearths itself over time. I kind of think? think so. I think that top layer wears off. Yeah. Yeah, that um, would make sense. With driving over it, or mm-hmm. maybe somebody finds it and peels it off, you know. This this was upsetting to Justin because he felt like he was so close. He, he probably wasn't. Yeah, I just love the idea of him leaping yeah. up and running around screaming, Toy and be idea. Looking just, for some weirdo that's like walking away. Yeah, like or just anybody down. that would look at him and just yeah. keep walking because you know yeah. that that shady MFR is definitely the guy. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in a normal society, everyone would look at you when you're shouting a weird word. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know? Especially toy and be idea. Yeah. Feel like, what, what idea? What? what idea? Huh? Hmm? The early 2000s came and went with no other clues, but by the mid-2000s, there was a new surge of interest in the story. Justin was more curious than ever, and one day he was contacted by two men, who themselves had been following the mystery. These two men were Steve Winnick and Colin Smith and happened to be the moderators of the website mm-hmm. toyandbean.net. Mm-hmm. They look like moderators. They, yeah, they you ever do. seen one before? I have now. That's what they look like. They both have that crazy look in their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe just that guy. They look like they don't get a lot of sunlight. Um, yeah, they look like basement vampires. Yes, dwellers. Yes. Basement yes. dwellers. He looks like Nandor. If Nandor spent a lot of time in a basement. Like if he lives in Philadelphia, his basement, his apartment's one of those basement apartments. Yeah. (laughs) Where you have to go downstairs from the outside and in an outside door. Uh Yeah. So they were interested in having Justin team up with them in order to try and solve the case and to find out who was behind these cryptic tiles. And so they began to form theories and they began an investigation. Inquiring minds want to know. So to them, it seemed as though there were three possible leads or directions that they could kind of chase down and go with this. So we're going to kind of go through them one by one. Uh, The first avenue they went down was an address that was included on a toy and bee tile located in Chile. Okay. The address belonged to a house in South Philadelphia. Okay. Surprising, right? Yeah. This was an obvious choice for a place to start the investigation, and being that the address was so close by, they went to the address. In an attempt to make contact with the person residing there, they rang the bell repeatedly and waited for a while, but no one ever came to the door. The door, weirdly enough, had a number of locks and was reinforced with numerous other padlocks (laughs) on the outside of the door. Okay. Yes, so... Yeah, no one... Time to set up a stakeout. Well, if that doesn't match, like, what you would think that this guy who's writing these things, like, that's exactly what you think his front door would look like. Yes. Right? Yes. Unfriendly and with lots of padlocks on the outside of the door. Probably on the inside, too, but if he's gone, they're on the outside. The outside. Oh, yeah. And then when he gets home, they go on the inside. I did wonder about why they were on the outside. So you can get in. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Thank God you're here to explain (laughs) these things to me. (laughs) 
Um, so they, you know, having no luck uh, contacting anybody at the residence, they decided to ask the neighbors if they knew who lived there and if they <laughs> could give them any information. <laughs> From the neighbors, they pieced together that the residence name was Servanel Virna, or Sevi for short. Hmm. They recalled that he was, he seemed very intelligent, but quiet. And none of the neighbors had ever been able to have like a real conversation with him. He was just hard to talk to. Um, (laughs) The team was able to acquire a phone number for him, however, and continued to visit the house and call, but to no avail. During one attempt to contact Sevi, his mother answered the phone and she told them that she didn't think her son was responsible for the tiles and that she was certain he had never been to South America. Yeah, but he's that's got the a internet, nice, too. That's also a nice mother covering for you. Yeah? What do you mean he's got the internet? There was tiles found in South America. Well, other people could make them. Stick them down. I guess so, but it was just like weird enough that it seemed to be being done by one mm. person. Okay. But at this point, they don't know. I mean, they have no idea. They, they have no idea what the origin... It's or- a cabal. Yeah, they have no idea what the origin of this is, so... It's a cabal of autistic people <laughs> yeah. on the internet getting together yeah. on Usenet. I know. Once you find out how they made these, um, I think we should make a couple and just start spreading them around. I'm going to use a laser. We should just make them for the podcast <laughs> and just start leaving them places. We should make coasters and sell them. Oh, Toy and Bee tile fans would coasters. buy them. That would be really cool, actually. We'll think about it. Cut that one out. I'm not doing it. We'll think about it. I'm not nope, doing nope. It. You already said it. Now everybody wants one. Sounds like work. Now everybody wants something from you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, after kind of, you know, Sevi being a dead end after talking to his mother, they then decided to look into former residents of the address and found a guy named Julius Pyroli. He lived there in the late 80s, and his friends would refer to him as Railroad Joe. <laughs> that sounds like a bad nickname. Railroad Joe. Like, he spends time on the... He's a hobo. Yeah, yes. He's been riding the rails. Yeah, yeah hobo Joe. That's yeah. what you're thinking. <laughs> no, this was railroad Joe. Different. It was learned that he had worked for Conrail in Philadelphia, and with great coincidence, they found that the Conrail train traveled to all the exact cities where the tiles had been placed. Does it go all the way to Brazil? Yes. It they does. were yep. They were told that he had been on a on a train that was making a delivery to Chile. Whoa. Yes. The group found themselves excited about the new lead, but when they reviewed the dates, they discovered that Julius had died in March of nineteen eighty seven, which meant he could have laid some of the older tiles, but not any of the new ones. Have you ever seen Saw? Yeah, I'm not sure how that pertains. Apprentice. Oh. Yeah, I mean, he could have had somebody working with him. They don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a religion. It's a schizoid religion. Yeah, you just pass gotta it have from, an apprentice. I pass it from one person to another. Keep the story, the message going. Well, it's like the Dread Pirate Roberts. Exactly. Yes, it's Except like that. Except there's no treasure. No. Ever. No. Especially not if you're in a Saul no, movie. There's no retiring to Bermuda. No. Maybe there is. I don't know. And there's also no true love. And you could just hop off the train and just not get back on. No, it's true. You'd be in Chile. Right. Having spread your tiles everywhere and yes. disappeared into yes. South America. Could it have been someone that lived at the address before either of those two men? 
the team would have to put this one on the back burner for now. The second avenue that they explored uh, was an article from 1983 that was printed in the Philadelphia Inquirer. This happened to be the same paper that was mentioned in the manifesto tiles. The team was tipped off about this by one person on the website, and they ended up finding the article at the local library. The article outlines a conversation that Clark DeLeon from the Inquirer had with a caller, and it reads as such. Theories? Want to run that one by me again? By Clark DeLeon of the Philadelphia Inquirer. <laughs> Ready? Uh-huh. Call me skeptical, but I had a hard time buying James Marasco's concept that the planet Jupiter would be colonized by bringing all of the people on Earth who had ever died back to life and then changing Jupiter's atmosphere to allow them to live. Is it just me, or does that strike you as hard to swallow, too? Marasco says... He is a social worker in Philadelphia and came across this idea while reading a book by historian Arnold Toynbee, whose theory on bringing dead molecules back to life was depicted in the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. It was? Apparently. I don't think it was. Well, you haven't okay, looked Okay, I deep guess I haven't enough. paid attention well enough to that movie. Where's the dead molecules? I know that you've watched it a time. I've seen so. it a number of times. Yes. There are no scientific principles I have found that could make this possible, Marasco says, especially colonizing the planet Jupiter, which has a very poisonous atmosphere. The possibility of giving that planet an oxygen atmosphere is beyond even science fiction writers' imaginations. Now, that quote may sound as if Marasco doesn't believe it can be done, but that's not true. He thinks that between Toynbee and Stanley Kubrick, there is a way to pull it off. That's why he's contacting talk shows and newspapers to spread the message. He's even founded a Jupiter colonization organization called the Minority Association, which he said consists of me, Eric, Eric's sister who does the typing, Frank, dot, dot, dot. You may be hearing more from Marasco. And then again, you may not. <laughs> and that's the end of that article. No wonder he hates the newspaper. That guy didn't believe him. But now there's a name. Right. James Marasco. Now, I mean, if you wanted to not be too strict, there are very many moons around Jupiter, many of which could even have life on them right now. Right. Well, underneath the giant layer of ice like io right and we we ain't talking about aliens this time we're just talking about but i'm just saying that you know we're talking about like amoebas if you wanted to like squint a little bit you could translate his gonna live on jupiter to like gonna live on jupiter's moon well maybe and let's talk about the fact that this isn't just like living on jupiter this is bringing dead people back to life yeah that i did colonize i did not consider that part yes you kind of glossed right over i did yeah (laughs) That was the only part I could think that would be somewhat reasonable. Right. Here it says that um, in this article, James Marasco says that he had accidentally come across this ideal while reading a book by historian Arnold Toynbee. 
Let me tell you a little bit about Arnold. I feel like I want to read his books if he talks about 22 civilizations. That'd be cool. I already found them online and added them Are to my bad? book wish list. Or is it like historian work? It's literally history. Oh, yeah. So I would really like to look at you that. You probably would. Um, yeah. You can get two books that are all 12 volumes in okay. two books. That'd be cool. I have them saved in my thing, so. Unless he's a bad historian. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but he has a ton of books, like a ton. He's probably not too bad then. I want his autobiography. <laughs> That's what I want. So Arnold J. Toynbee, the idea. According to the letters written by the Tyler, Toynbee's idea stems from a passage in Arnold Toynbee's book, Experiences. Human nature presents human minds with a puzzle, which they have not yet solved, and may never succeed in solving, for all that we can tell. The dichotomy of the human being into soul and body is not a datum of experience. No one has ever been or ever met a living human soul without a body. Someone who accepts, as myself do, taking it on trust, the present-day scientific account of the universe may find it possible to believe that a living creature, once dead, can come to life again. But if he did entertain this belief, he would be thinking more scientifically if he thought in the Christian terms of a psychochromatic resurrection than if he thought in the shamanistic terms of a disembodied spirit. This guy read Jung, Carl Jung for sure. That is the section of what uh, Marasco, we're just going to call Marasco, was referencing okay, is so what he found. I'm seeing the idea now. Okay. Which I don't believe is true. But it'd be like if you could reconstruct the animal or the human or whatever with mm-hmm. exactly the same chromosomes. But without the body. But with the body. Oh, okay. Like you regenerate the body, then the mind would like... The spirit. The spirit. Or the soul. The soul yeah. would just come back magically from out the air. To the body. To the body. And then that thing would be back alive just like that, right right after it died. Right in there? Yeah, I think that's Mm. the idea. Okay. I I guess. Um, Like, you know, each individual is like an antenna tuned to a very specific frequency. Right. And our bodies are just a capsule holding the soul. Yeah, so if you build another antenna that exactly tuned to that frequency, it'll pick up the same thing. Mm. I don't think that's true. I, I... yeah, I don't. I like the idea of like resurrection or um, reincarnation, yeah. I guess. Not resurrection so much. That's creepy. That's like scary. Um, but like reincarnation, I guess. But this takes that to like a whole nother level. This is literally like resurrection, not reincarnation. Well, it'd be like, well, what about identical twins? Why don't they have one mind? No, I I don't think that is what's happening here. I think resurrection is what he's doing. He's literally building a same body with yeah. the same to get that same soul back in that same body. Yeah. But psychochromosomatic is implying that it's your chromosome that is linked to your your soul. But what I'm saying is reincarnation is different because you don't end up in the same body. You have the same soul, but you're yeah. in a different body right. or you're mixed with right. another soul sure. or you have memories of the past. He's not saying resurrection. He's saying it that maybe that will be the way it happens someday or something. But it is like a resurrection, not a reincarnation. What are you talking about? 
What he's talking about doing is resurrection, not reincarnation. Reanimation. Sure. Okay. It's just basically resurrection. Kind of. Yes. That's all I'm saying. Oh. I'm just saying it's different than reincarnation. Well, yeah, for sure. Okay. And then we're just going to shuffle them all to Jupiter. If this idea were accurate, then there would be absolutely no possible way of having reincarnation. And why are we putting them on Jupiter? Did he say on Jupiter, though? I don't think he did. No, I don't think he did. I think the other guy got Jupiter from Stanley Kubrick. He, yes, and that's that's what's going on yeah. here. Is he took this and he took that and he smashed them together and ran with them. That, my dear, is called schizophrenia. I mean, maybe a little bit. Can one have just a touch of schizophrenia? Oh yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. Just a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ever get worse. It can just stay little. Um no, I think it can just be you know a mild, a mild case? case. Really? Yeah. Oh man. I mean, this doesn't sound very mild to me. No, this this is extreme. This might be like you know a little more. Yeah. Let's keep going. Okay. So now the team needed to figure out who was James Morasco. Justin reached out to Clark DeLeon, who in turn told him that he remembers that Morasco said that he lived in Fishtown or Kensington, which were both blue-collar neighborhoods that ran along the Delaware River. There wasn't much else he could recall. They searched for James Morasco, but couldn't find one in Fishtown or in Kensington, but did locate a man by that name in a neighborhood called Chestnut Hill. It turns out that Morasco had been interviewed by a Cincinnati paper during which they actually talked to his wife, who claimed that her husband had had his voice box removed and was nearly 80 years old, which made this lead come to a screeching halt. Not necessarily. I mean, no, he, he can't possibly be the person calling in and talking to the newspapers. I mean, there could be more than one James Morasco out there. Well, maybe the guy just lived next door and he just stole that guy's name when he did the interview. He's obviously secretive. He obviously doesn't want to get caught with the tiles. All right, so the third avenue that they went down was that in 1985, there was a play written by a man named David Mamet called 4AM. I know who David Mamet is. You do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, this play is a playwright. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's awesome, too. Oh, okay. Uh, So David Mamet wrote this play called 4AM. He was a director and a playwright, Mm -hmm. like you just said. I love that you know who he is. That's great. I'd never personally heard of him. I've seen many interviews with him. Okay. He's a good guy. During the very short play, a radio host gets a call from a man who is trying to convince him of his idea to bring the dead back to life on Jupiter. (laughs) He references 2001 A Space Odyssey and also Arnold Toynbee's works. In this play, he also mentions humans being made up of molecules. This is interesting because the only reference to this was in the article by the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh Although the play was published in 1985, it was written in 1983, at the same time that the article was published. Okay. The team believed that this had to be more than a coincidence. When they asked Mamet, he stated that his play was fiction and was not based on anything of true nature. Well, that's an evasive answer. A little bit. Yeah. He's not going to tell him. Did you think this guy would come up in the story? No. 
Definitely not. I love it when there's people in here that you know. This one you're not like super upset about, but I love, you know, the ones where you're just like, oh God, no, we're not dragging this person. See, I feel like they didn't really, they probably didn't really get to talk to him. That's like an evasive answer. That's just like a non-answer, like a political non-answer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because it's true, but it still could be true that he also got a got his idea but from he that didn't paper really say article. he hadn't heard it anywhere he no, just he said it was fiction and it wasn't based on anything true yeah right. it yeah. wasn't based on anything true doesn't mean it wasn't it based was on something of... in a newspaper that right. wasn't true i liked it <laughs> so with no luck as to the who they were now faced with figuring out how the toy and b tyler was able to discreetly place hundreds of tiles in very public areas without anyone seeing it now happen. we have to watch that play I watched it. It's six minutes long. Oh, it's short? It's kind of boring. I'm not going to lie. It's only six minutes long? Yeah. Well, no. We can watch it after. Oh, so this is this must have been when he was... It was a very a small play. kind of getting started. It like, was a long time a ago. Philadelphia studio. So it's like an art house project. Yeah. Yeah. I found it on YouTube, so... Yeah, okay. Also, what was the minority association mentioned in uh, De, De Leon's question. article? So <laughs> me, my mom, my sister, my cousin and my best Frankie, friend. and my aunt Darlene, who does the typing. <laughs> in 2006, Justin and the team were inundated with hundreds of emails containing theories, tips, and recounts of people remembering that they had seen the tiles in the 80s. I'm sure. One of these emails was from a man named Joe Raimondo. He claimed to have witnessed a strange broadcast on his TV in 1985 <laughs> while residing in Philadelphia. He says that while watching the news one evening, a static noise came over the broadcast, and while he could still see the newscast, the audio was distorted, and he could hear a voice talking about Toynbee and 2001, a space odyssey. He was so confused that he called the local station and he found out that he was not the only one to have called in about the mysterious broadcast. Another email stated that in the early 80s, they recalled seeing flyers with the same Toy and Bee message that were pasted all around the city. Curious thing about these flyers was that that printed on the bottom was a pirate radio address. Yeah, okay, I figured. This was exciting new evidence for the investigation, and in the hopes of learning about the radio address, they attended a shortwave listening convention shortly after. They asked if anyone had remembered anything about the radio address or Toy and Bee. They talked with a man named John, who miraculously gave them a bit of information that shot them down a previous investigated mm-hmm. path. You look very excited over there. This is interesting. I like how it's like all nerds and shit too. (laughs) Like 80s nerds. Like these, that radio convention, that's like the same dudes that uh, the lead mask guys were. Yes. Like they were just in They were those guys. They were those guys. Right. Right. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe this mysterious Tyler's laying in his backyard with a lead mask over his face (laughs) waiting for something to happen. Well, I didn't mean (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he could be. Maybe he knows something. Maybe he's one of those people. (laughs) So let's hear what John has to tell them. 
John tells them that he was approached by a group called the Minority Association to see if they could use his P.O. box for a mail drop in the early 1980s. When asked if he had ever listened to any of the broadcasts, he says that he never heard any and never saw any reports of them. Justin then asked if John remembered any of the names of the people that he was in contact with. He then says the name Verna is familiar to him, which happens to be the last name of Sevi. If you will recall, he was the person at the address that had all the padlock mm, doors. Imagine that. Hmm. It was at this point that the team could not believe that the Toynbee Tyler could be anyone other than Sevi Verna. Or his group. Right. <laughs> could be the Minority Association. Right. So... They go back to Sevi's house, obviously. Now we're definitely not leaving you <laughs> and alone. And like this is years later now, right? Uh, this was this, guy for years. this was in 2006. Yeah, so quite a while. Yeah, yeah. So they go back to Sevi's house to see if he would be willing to talk, but like the last time, he did not answer. They again went to the neighbors, and they said that Sevi would not leave the house unless it was in the wee hours of the morning. They noted that he had boarded up all of his windows and had become... I'm sure his mother's like dead now. Maybe maybe this is like a Bates Motel situation. Well, he's just, he's gone off. His mom was probably the one that was keeping him like attached to earth. He's unhinged now. The neighbors had pointed out that he had boarded up all his windows and had become very paranoid. He had become paranoid? More so. (laughs) Paranoid enough to board up his windows. One neighbor recalls that Sevy's car had a huge antenna on the roof and that on the front passenger side of the car's floorboard, it was gone. There was no, there was ah, no floor. Okay. You could see the road as the car drove. Uh-huh. He said that as Sevy drove, the TV signals would be interrupted for a few seconds and you could hear the message briefly. Uh-huh. This was enlightening news for the team as they had begun to realize that Sevi was responsible for the broadcast interruptions and also how he was able to put out the tiles on the streets without anyone knowing or seeing him. While stopped at a traffic light, he would simply put down the tile and drive off. The tiles were made of linoleum, Mm -hmm. tar paper, an asphalt sealer, Mm -hmm. which basically made them like a giant waterproof sticker that fused to the road. Yeah. Cool, right? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty ingenious. It's like a giant like road band-aid. Yeah. I thought that was neat. (laughs) I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to go ruin the roads. Yeah. (laughs) After this last attempt to speak with Sevi, they decided not to bother him anymore because it seemed like that they had the answers they were looking for and he obviously wasn't interested in talking to them oh, or attention. Come on. So they just you were like get, Well, they kind him. of hounded this guy for a while with to no avail. So they just kind of were like, Okay, he obviously doesn't want to talk to anybody. Well, they, need to, they need to turn one of the minority associations on him and get him to go in there and get him to introduce him. It's like spy work. I mean, even the FBI couldn't get to him, so I guess what chance do these guys have? Right. CBS, Time yeah. Warner, no one could get to him. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Although they had figured out the who, there was still the looming question of why. <laughs> I mean, I think we have a you thought about that. You cannot understand crazy. That's just how it works. 
A month after this revelation, Justin got an email from a man named Ulysses Fleming, and he had some of these answers. And here is what he had to say. When Ulysses was a boy, his family was traveling home from Baltimore to Philadelphia, and while driving, they were listening to a shortwave radio broadcast. When they started to hear something that was unusual, he claims that the voice was that of Sevi Verna and that he was talking about the Toynbee idea. Along with that, he included a P.O. Box address, which lines up with the other guy's story, right? Uh-huh. And Ulysses decided to write a letter to it asking for more information. He says that after a while, he received a letter back, and it was signed from a James Morasco <laughs> from his Minority Association radio station in the early 80s. Uh-huh. Ulysses attached all of the letters and documents that he had saved awesome. involving James Marasco and the Minority Association. That's awesome. He had real evidence. We love evidence. Here are the documents and the letters from uh, Marasco to Ulysses. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Something to do with a 1,000-mile-wide corridor right. through Europe and Asia. And this is something about a driver and yeah. AM. It is very schizo. A little bit. So here's the funny part. This document in particular, while all the other ones were signed by Morasco, mm-hmm. this one is signed by Servino Verna. Yeah, and as a letter he wrote to fucking Solzhenitsyn. Uh, he wrote a book, a series of books describing the Russian Revolution from okay. inside. Ah. He was also in work camps and everything else. Okay. He wrote the whole book in his head while he was in the gulag. And remembered it? And remembered it. Well, and then wrote it down. I mean, that's a skill. I want to read that letter. Okay. I'm sure he never got it or read it, but maybe he did. You just never know. Oh, he said fucking Arnold Toynbee's conception. Of the colonization of outer space. There you go. Oh we can gosh. talk about this. This is to Alexander Solzhenitsyn. From? Severino Verna. I mean, to me, like this, his, the Gulag Archipelago is what he wrote. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Now I know that. I guess I just didn't know Which his had name. like a very big impact on me when I read it. I've been humorless ever since. As you all <laughs> know. Pity, and, pity me. And it's like, you're writing a letter to this guy. If I had to write a letter to him, I would, I feel like I'd have to like, it'd have to be pretty good letter. You, you know what I mean? You don't think it would sound like this? Now here's this guy's. <laughs> Dear Mr. Solzhenitsyn, I'm very happy to write to you as I am a very avid reader of all your works. And I look forward to your eight volume history of the Russian Revolution, which I believe will soon be published in English. And it was not in English at that time. No. Well, it seems like that yeah. Sevi is a huge history fan. Uh, Yeah. Enclosed is a copy of our press release that we are giving out to all media Aww. to publicize Arnold Toynbee's conception of the colonization of outer space as depicted in the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey, comma again, on the ability of science to bring every dead molecule of every dead human body, comma, of every dead human being that has ever lived in history in order to bring them back to life <laughs> on the gigantic planet of Jupiter. That was one Period. sentence. That was Period. all one sentence. That was insane. <laughs> that it, may be <laughs> the best run-on sentence I've ever this seen. This is like when like a autistic person 
thinks that you're really into their topic. And they run up to you and they start going. Like Colin Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, keep going. Yeah. It is also our claim that this idea of bringing every human being of history back to life on the planet Jupiter, comma, is depicted in the movie 2001 Space Odyssey. In light of Toynbee's claim, science can now do all those things that only God was able to do. Didn't he just basically say the same thing? He did just repeat what he said. Okay. Yes. Okay. Keep going. So far, we have publicized these ideas to 10 million people and we should reach a total of 20 million, even if we do not get any support from the American media. But I, myself, am very determined <laughs> to publicize these three things across the world, especially the Soviet Union. Wowzers. Because Solzhenitsyn is like a huge fan of the Soviet Union, right. and he really wants to help you. Yes. I am sending these ideas to every great thinker in the United States. Oh, he might have been back in the States then. I don't know. Oh. He did come to the States but then that doesn't make sense. I think he came to the States in the 90s. Don't believe what this guy's writing. It probably doesn't make much sense. Does he well, know Well, I, I know. I know it doesn't make sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sending these ideas to every great thinker in the United States in order that they, in their own minds, might be able to formulate an opinion of it. I bet. I think I they bet have. He, I bet he had I an opinion I think everyone's had an opinion he of this. He probably crumpled it up and threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> There's one, there's like one I hope sentence. you can find some interest in this movement as I hope to prepare and send more material to you. If we are in any way successful in publicizing Arnold Toynbee's conception of the colonization of outer space. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a P.S. It says yours truly. Yours truly signed and typed Severino Verna. P.S. We're already planning. <laughs> P.S. We are already planning to acquire a shortwave transmitter of our own to follow out your idea of broadcasting into the USSR. So there you go. Thank you for reading that. That was That is just awesome. I right? mean unbelievably awesome. Yes. And all these documents are available if you want to look at them, the Toy and Bee website. That's where I got these. They're in a PDF and you can download them and take a look at them. <laughs> My favorite is the sentence and then you reverse the sentence content you just shuffle it yeah and then write it down again and that's your justification for the first sentence right you know what i mean so here's what i think is really funny about this is that they never really like there's no outline of what exactly is to take place they just keep saying 2001 a space odyssey yep. toy and bee molecules jupiter dead people as far as we can tell that two sentence sentence right is the entirety is the whole thing of the thing right yeah which is crazy because i'm just like reading this here uh, on another one of this these documents that uh ulis attached there is i mean it just says again like again and again um it's just repeating this, the yeah, same thing this over organization and over, almost the same thing. this organization the minority association is composed from a set of instructions from one of toy and b's writings our goal is to make the rebirth of all human beings of past history occur on the planet jupiter as a finale to toy and b's claim science can do anything god can do 
In light of Toynbee's ideas, we hope to gain popular support for the colonization <laughs> of the planet Jupiter, to give the planet Jupiter an oxygen atmosphere, and to heat the planet up. This is like the it's only... It's over and over That's and over. it. That is the yeah. only description. There's no like, and how will we do this oxygenation? Yes. There's nothing to back this. But the thing is, is now I must go into my favorite autism area for right now it could change i don't know okay uh jupiter is a gas giant it's almost a star it's essentially just hydrogen and some other things and it's enormous it's almost basically just gas like if you were to jump into it there's no ground so do you think that the gas has something to do because they haven't specified has something to do with bringing the people back to life no i don't think so i i think he thinks it's a planet because there's like a lot of holes in this story i'm trying to fill in it's like well you know if you think of throughout the human history there's been so many humans you would need a really big planet (laughs) for them to all live on yeah and the biggest planet is jupiter Mm -hmm. that has no surface all the holes in his story, I'm going to fill them with gas. And it's also extraordinarily radioactive because, like I said, it's almost a sun. Again, that that doesn't it's, have something to do with bringing people back to life. If you did bring them back to life, they would just melt because there's so much radiation. It would be like standing next to like the demon core of plutonium like when it's so the reaching second, critical the mass. So the second you gain consciousness... You, you immediately would, melt. You would get so much radiation that it would be like, yeah, yeah. You'd just be dead again. You would be dead again real quick. So you are completely like within seconds. So what you're telling me is you are completely dispelling this whole theory. I mean, if you really wanted to consider a real place that hell could be, Jupiter, Jupiter. would be it. Yeah, Jupiter sounds terrifying. I'm it is. Lie. In fact, even if you just landed on the moon, so much radiation comes from Jupiter that you still might get nuked. Basically, combining the movie and the concepts of Toy and Bee's reanimated Jupiter, Verna laid the groundwork for the association and its ideas. <laughs> so he was the mastermind. It seems like it. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, these documents make that pretty yeah. obvious. So I hope that you enjoyed seeing that. I am actually just like tickled. That he wrote a letter to Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yep. <laughs> I did not expect that. Right. I am surprised. Yeah, I, I'm glad I showed you that, honestly, because yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I read some of them, but there were quite a few documents there. Uh, yeah, there's so. a lot. Of, we could If we dug a little bit, we could probably get some more entertainment out of that. And once you start reading them, you have to stop. They're very repetitive. Because it's the same thing yes. in every single one. He's stuck in a loop. He's, He's stuck in a loop. <laughs> stuck in a Jupiter loop. He's stuck in a loop. <laughs> The last piece of the puzzle is how was David Mamet and his play 4AM tied into all of this? In the documents, it says that there was a call placed to Larry King in February of uh, 1980. Okay. David said in an interview at one point 
that the play was an homage to Larry King in the days where he used to listen to him in the middle of okay. the night. Okay, well, that makes sense. So that solves the and mystery. And he heard that call. So, yes, but it, so what they think is that he jotted down a note about it and kind of forgot where it came from and then years later found it and Possibly. wrote a thing. So. But, you know, a real artist never gives away their inspiration, <laughs> right. right? Right. He was just like, I don't know, it's not real, it's fiction. Yeah, <laughs> right. again, that non-answer mm-hmm. is... That was in good. My, in my opinion, is totally an admission without admitting anything and without lying. So that kind of ties up all the ends. Nobody's actually talked to Sevi, but I mean, let's be honest, it's definitely him. I think a conversation with him would go kind of like this Toynbee, Jupiter, reanimate, bring humans back alive. Do you think that it would sound just like the four lines on the tile? I do. Like, just like yep. that. Or maybe the letter to Solzhenitsyn. Yes. But I think I like the tile. It's direct. It's right to the point if you understand it. (laughs) Now, if he has his own pirate or had his own pirate radio broadcast, he was savvy. It's savvy. Yes. No. Savvy. As in like technologically savvy (laughs) in the 80s. Yes. Savvy was savvy. That was what was known as the scene back then, which was all the phone freakers, the scammers, the computer hackers. It was a small bunch. Right. But one thing they did like to do was play tricks on people and fuck with people. TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's just driving around spreading the message. Well, they said that his neighbors all said he was a very intelligent guy. I would say he is. But like, if he's trolling, he really has to like that joke Yeah. <laughs> to be going on and on about that. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, schizophrenia, I don't think, is related in any way to either intelligence or stupidity. There are very, very smart people that are schizophrenic. There's yeah. very, very not smart people that are. So he could have all that knowledge and just and, be and stuck be a, on be a, a loop little bit about nutty. Jupiter. Yeah, like he's yeah. broken. He's, yeah. He's broken. There's more. Six months after the mystery was solved by Justin, he ended up taking a bus trip across Philadelphia. The bus stopped to pick up a passenger at a stop in the area of Sevi Verna's home. Justin watched as a man got on the bus and sat down in front of him. Justin says that the man was quiet and looked like he was lost in his own thoughts. He was the right age to be Sevi, and in his gut, he just knew it was him. Probably was. Yeah. They got off the bus, and at the same time as they do, there is a moment of uncomfortable eye contact. Justin, in a split decision, however, does not speak to the man as they part ways, ending his long pursuit of the Toy and Bee Tyler. I think that's a good ending. I think so, too. I think Justin made the right choice. I think so, too. Just leave the guy be. In 2011, Justin made a documentary about about this mysterious case and the entire investigation. Shortly after it released, there was a number of shortwave radio enthusiasts that claimed that the Toy and Bee idea was again being broadcast. (laughs) Currently, new tiles keep appearing. Still, Uh like currently. Um, which I just got goosebumps. I think that's really cool. <laughs> and, and they keep appearing in the streets in the U.S. Most of these are the work of copycats. I'm sure. And not believed to be authentic. However, these new tiles would become known as the House of Hades tiles. They were made to look like the originals, but often include the phrase, 
one man versus the machine. Okay. This message seemed to be pointing a finger at media claiming they have a nefarious agenda aimed towards society. <laughs> Fascinating, it's huh? A, it's not nefarious. It's just abusive. There were more tiles found in New Jersey that are believed to be authentic Toynbee tiles. They are not promoting the movie or Toynbee, though. They are calling out a man named Mason Meltzer. They accuse Meltzer of abusing old people in their homes while he is delivering for Meals on Wheels. Steve, Colin, and Justin believe this to be the work of Verna. Hmm. Steve and Colin still manage and document new leads on the tiles on their website. So maybe Verna's got a new topic he's moved on to. Uh, yeah, maybe he's trying to stop elder abuse. I don't, or maybe he hates Meals on Wheels. Or maybe Meals on Wheels is after him. I don't know. Uh, Verna most certainly has to be on the internet somewhere. His writings... Would he be like, able to resist being like on the in the internet? dark corners of the internet? Sure. Like there's some archive out there that has, you know, it's not going to be like, hey, it's me, but it's going to. But he gonna, he was using the the, the name Marasco. The pattern of writing will be identical. Yes. And it will be him. I mean, it was probably going to be old writings, not new, but. I don't think he could stay away from the internet. I think it no, would be too no, fascinating he, for him. And if he's running shortwave radio and he's hanging out with those guys, yeah. like he's on he the internet. He likes tech. He's a yeah. tech guy. Maybe you'll hear us. Yeah, I don't think he's reaching. What out do you to make any... a face like that for? Because I'm. I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's harmful. Um, anyway, so we're at the end. Is there anything that we covered that you just want to talk about a little bit more? Because we we're we're pretty certain we know who this is, um, and we're pretty certain we know why and how it came to be. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to crowdfund a couple of uh, Starship rockets to go to Jupiter, I would definitely throw them a couple bucks. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you start up a, you know, I'll go fund me and you're like going to buy a couple of Starship rides to Jupiter. Hit me Yeah, up. I'll, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> I mean, you're going to need a few hundred million, but yeah. hey, I mean, every bit's a... St- every little bit yeah. counts. Yeah. <laughs> what I like is that this guy... We're pretty sure. I mean, I would say like 99% sure it's it's Verna. But the dude is still a mystery. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, still cool. nobody knows exactly who he is or what he looks like or, you know, like the, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, he's doing himself and all of us a favor because mm-hmm. it's like anything. As soon as you meet the real person behind the, yeah. the mystery, you're just like. That's why this yeah. is still such yes. a cool story, yeah. even though it's an older story. But I also like. I mean, there's copycat Tylers, but um, Steve and Colin and Justin all believe that he's still putting some tiles out. But I mean, I feel like the dude would have to be fairly old at this point. Yeah, like, all right. Well, he would have been like 20s and 80. So he's like almost 60. Could have been his. Also, 50s. did his car fall apart yet? Like, how many cars have he has he had that he's dropping tiles oh, out? Oh, you can make a tile car in seven minutes a with tile an angle grinder. Car? Cool. You can make any car into a tile car. We should have kept my old car and made a tile car out of it. <laughs> it almost was one on its own. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, It did yeah, have a hole in the bottom. Hole in it, hole oh, in it. that poor Nissan. <laughs> so that was the one thing that I thought of. Um, yeah, and I wanted to talk about how cool I thought it was that he invented, like, basically this linoleum road band-aid. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that was really, really neat. Did you like it? Yes, I did. Good. 
There was a few surprises in there for yes. you. If he's out there, he's listening. Did Alexander Solzhenitsyn ever reply to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Send us the letter. Yeah. That would be cool. We'd love to know. Yeah. Did Ronald Reagan send you a letter back? <laughs> Did you get any letters from anyone else? Cool. Jimmy Carter? Anybody. We'll take anybody. It seemed like he probably, if that's just a snippet of the letters that were sent out. He probably sent a lot. So many. Yeah. He was plastering posters in the 80s. So my question is, is why would the guy leave a tile in South America with his own address on it? Why not? I guess it's a clue, right? Maybe he thought nobody that far away would ever come to try to find out who lived there. Uh-huh. Uh, only he can and answer that. what's really interesting is seemingly he has lived in that same house forever. His train buddy could have slapped it down for him. Well, that was the guy that lived there before him. I don't think they knew each other. Okay. But again, he's a radio guy, amateur radio. Sure. Okay. That goes around the earth. You mean that? And that's how amateur radio is. It's like a tight kind of group of people. Yeah. But it, it has a range that goes all the way around the earth at certain times of the day. So he could easily communicate with someone down there and be like, this is what you got to do. Or I'll send it to you and stick it. That could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just stick there. Yeah, I guess he could just mail it. It'd be pretty heavy and weird package. So? Yeah. Wouldn't be that heavy. Yeah, I don't know the tiles were all that enormous. I feel like they were, you know, a foot and a half long. I mean, they did have mail in the 80s that was international. I keep forgetting about that. It's not like now where, you know. You know, everything beyond a year ago seems like the Stone (laughs) Age to me. And what's funny about that is I don't super use technology. I mean, I use it, but I'm not someone who has my phone connected to every single thing. We don't have smart, like, we don't have uh, smart stuff that listens to us in our house. We don't do Alexa. So we are not, like, really we're, we're actually more like this guy than uh, the average person yes well we're paranoid and we don't want people listening to us either. right we don't want anyone listening to us well we want to control the situation <laughs> we feel under control So, if you're listening just know that you're making us feel scared and funny if you're listening i'm scared because i don't think we're funny <laughs> we're not <laughs> you want to say goodbye i think we should probably have done that about an hour ago yeah me too <laughs> bye bye Do you have a story that's weird or fascinating? Would you like to have your story read at the end of an episode? If so, please send your story to wthh.podcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. If you'd like more episodes and bonus content, join Patreon to become a member. If you liked our episode, please remember to like, rate, and review. Thank you for listening.